Okay, you're fighting a guy named Boxcar Bob. Brawled his way up from the boxcars, did he? Uh, no, not yet. He still lives at the train yard. But he's a hungry young fighter. In fact, he's actually fighting for a sandwich. Homer, I want you to have my lucky mitts. I hope you do better with them than I did. Gee, thanks, Mo. What's this? Ah, oh, that's the barbed wire. <laughs> we, uh, we called that the stinger. They don't, they don't let you use that no more. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, the podcast where we always need some time to think. This week, we're heading all the way back to season eight to review one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons. It is episode 4F03, The Home of They Fall. I am Dando. I am the owner of the world's best jacket, Guy. And today, we are very lucky to be joined by a man who honestly is one of the inspirations for me wanting to start a podcast in the first place. He's a man of many talents, but most importantly, he is a professional wrestler and is currently signed to Ring of Honor slash AEW. He is the one and only Colt Cabana. Thanks for your time, mate. How are you doing? Hi, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And Guy, it's funny you say that because uh, the very first LOL moment I had of rewatching this episode was World's Best Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> It just, it, it reeks of Planet Hollywood, that one. I mean, I, it just was just like the absurdity and the, I loved it. Have you ever had some ring gear cult where you just thought, I am the fucking coolest guy heading to the ring right now? Oh, are you kidding me? I don't know if you've seen my recent jackets right now. First of all, I have these little action figures called micro brawlers where you can draw your own jacket. Grab those over at my whatnot, pwtlive.com. But it's based off of the idea that um, I have these ring jackets that like I had this idea for other people to make them for me, if that makes sense, to paint on them. So one of my ring jackets is I send it to David Arquette and he drew a jacket for me. And it's like his painting and his thing. It's David Arquette's art as I'm coming to the ring. I'm like, I'm better than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit of a sidetrack because I'm more a movie guy than a wrestling guy. But I mean, David Arquette's kind of like, I mean, I know he, I knew he was a wrestling fan. He made that Ready to Rumble movie back in the day with um, with Scott Kahn and, uh, and all those guys. But for him to actually sort of get into the ring and acquit himself like well, he, legit. He, he, was, he became the WCW world champion in, in the 90s. <laughs> the guy, Dewey from Scream, what the fuck? <laughs> Wait, but do you mean, are you talking about like the new, because he just put out that movie. I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about, no, guy. No, no, so Ready to Rumble came out in the 90s. Did you? It was all, right, but he just came out with a documentary saying, oh, that's called, right, yeah. uh, You Can't Kill David Arquette, yeah. which is about his foray back into professional yeah. wrestling. And that's where I became buddies with him because at, you know, at one time I was literally on every single wrestling show ever. Um, and David Arquette was on a lot of those shows and we became buddies and he was just such a nice and sweet man and he loved art and he loves Bozo the Clown. And so I just knew, I was just like, hey man, would you like to draw on this jacket? Like, I'd love for you to have, like, do the art on my jacket. And he was, without, you know, without even thinking about it, he said yes. So, uh, listen, for C to D level celebrities like us professional wrestlers, David Arquette is like a god. So it's not very weird. <laughs> Dude, you're a B. You're, you're, <laughs> 30 on B plus. 
Uh, I I don't know. Some people say I got a double. I'm a double D with these big boys. Down here. <laughs> Speaking of those double Ds, how are they how are they feeling after that chest slap that you had a few weeks ago? One of our patrons, it was actually his son that gave you that slap. I think it was like ACW or something. Are you kidding me? No, well, yeah, one of our patrons, Andy Kozlowski, he was like, oh, ask him, here's this footage of my son slapping his chest. Ask him how his chest going. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You know, the, I, the, two clips from that show, there was the chest slap from the child, and then I picked up a baby as a weapon. Oh. And that got, that's, that's gotten like over 10 million views on just like everything all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it like made me be like, oh my God, I should be monetizing my Instagram. So I just started that. <laughs> you need to start bringing babies to the ring more often. <laughs> I, well, it's a thing that I've done almost my whole career. It's something I love doing is going to the ring, grabbing a child of some sort and parading them around. And I remember my first tour, one of my very first tours of Japan, I grabbed a baby and the ring announcer was also the owner and the ring announcer, like he was looking so pissed off and like, I was like, Oh no, different culture. Whoops. And I went and I put the baby back. And then like, as I got backstage, I asked all the Japanese, I was like, how do you say, sorry, how do you say, sorry? And then the ring announcer came back who was the owner of the company. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's like, Oh, I was just playing. Oh. It's okay. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's all well and good when you pick up a baby and parade it around, but when I do it, you know, it's restraining orders. <laughs> Well, you before you were spruiking yourself. That's one of the things I love about you. Like you're self-promoting. Like just that's been another inspiration of mine. The fact that you just you find ways to monetize this and everything. And it's, you're one of those professional wrestlers that just you started that trend, in my opinion. But particularly with like the podcasting. But now you got like you got your pro wrestling tees and all the other things that you're doing. Your live your live sales and that kind of stuff. You've always had your finger on the pulse. Yeah, and you know, like half of it's hustle, half half of it's like being aware of like what's happening around me. And, you know, the other half uh, of this three halves is, you know, it's just, you know, wanting this to be my living. So like anything I could do to like, I guess, monetize so I don't have to go get a job at uh, what's your version of Walmart? Maybe it's Walmart. I don't I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to not have a real job and it's worked out pretty well. Oh, well, welcome to the club, dude. For those listeners out there who don't actually know who you are, which would bog in my mind, but. As I said, you did you're obviously professional wrestler, but for me, you launched a podcast, The Art of Wrestling, in 2010. That's where I first sort of discovered you um, through the podcast. It wasn't necessarily through the wrestling; it was through the podcast. And I just thought the way you were able to engage and interview these people, it, it didn't feel like an interview; it just felt like a conversation. But so, The Art of Wrestling, still going to this day. You had a bit of a period there where you you took some time off, but you're going again now. But you've also got some um, some other new projects going in, in the works as well on your Patreon. Um, do you want to tell us about your new podcast, Wrestling Anonymous? Oh yeah, you know I I don't even know. Like I started Wrestling Anonymous uh, maybe a year and a half ago, and it actually kind of came to an end. But I keep it alive on the Patreon a little bit, which is just um, calls from anybody who has anything to say about wrestling. And so uh, I I was always kind of a fan of like I, we we would call it AM radio in Chicago in America. I don't know, you know, I guess kind of like the talk radio. As a kid, I love talk radio. I love. Um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts that have segments with people calling in and I, I think it's fun because you know something we all have in common is we love wrestling and so hearing different takes or different stories and not like necessarily like I don't want to hear like who you think's going to win the big match like I don't care about that but just stuff that's affected you you know much like the Simpsons like I have such a nostalgia for the Simpsons and you know like I'm sure like anytime we we start babbling about it, it just like brings back great memories 
Um, the same, I think, goes for wrestling. It's kind of in, it's within the same pair, especially because it's been a long, it's been around just as, you know, they've both been around forever. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> um, so everyone's got stories uh, and it makes them feel some kind of feeling. So, yeah, the art of wrestling, I started in 2010 and it's kind of on and off now. And same with Wrestling Anonymous, it's kind of on and off. My podcasting ventures um, have come like a bit to a stall, but I, I never cancel them out because I love the medium and the forum so much. And yeah, I guess like my big thing now, like I love being on Twitch and I love doing the whatnots. And so those are kind of my things, but yeah, I, you know, podcasting's my baby. I love it so much. I, I listen to so many podcasts. I'm, I still believe in it. Yeah. And I was going to say, you, you're kind of a natural at it, man. I mean, I was listening to, you know, to your original podcast, not the, not the anonymous one. And uh, I was just like, I thought Dando and I had energy. This guy is caffeinated. This guy has monster <laughs> energy. <laughs> and, and of course, you got that wonderful Chicago accent, which I you know, completely dig. There you go. Funny you say that. You know, I, I don't. I don't drink. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink like I, it's nothing. It's just maybe it's just. Um, you know, I, well, a I know how to turn it on a little bit. I guess from being in professional mm -hmm. wrestling almost twenty five years now, but also. You know, when you love the content and you love what you're doing, like, you know, it's I'm all about it. Like I, I know I'm on I'm being on record, but I'm all about what's happening. So yeah. You know what's also great to have as a, a bit of a side hustle? Being signed under Tony Khan. That's gotta be good, right? That's my side hustle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, are, are, are um, you you're Ring of Honor now, right? You're not a like it's all AEW essentially, but you're yeah. technically a Ring of Honor? I mean, I don't even know. My contract's with AEW, it's kind okay. of like I'm hurt right now, so I'm I'm I've been out with a shoulder injury. Mm. So, you know, like whatever they need from me, wherever, you know, at one point this last summer, they sent me to Germany to uh, help uh, promote the, the, the video game over in Germany at, at Gamerscom. So uh, Gamescom, pardon me. So it's kind of like I'm a utility man. If they need me to produce, I produce. If they need me to wrestle when I'm healthy, I wrestle uh, at this point. But like you said, like, yeah, like that's one of many um hands uh one of many one of many hands i got my pies in yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you're the swiss army knife of sports yeah yeah but you said you're, you're a big nostalgia for the simpsons so tell us what what are your memories of the simpsons in the 90s i mean it's not even the 90s i think it's the 80s right oh well it started in 89 so yeah yeah, yeah so i mean like we used to we were a fox family yep uh which means like you know, Fox was like the redheaded stepchild of America growing mm -hmm. up. And my family, we were like, my family, we were like married with children. Uh, um, so, you know, like I, we were, <laughs> yeah. And so my, my family, we loved like, that's a memory I have is like sitting around the, the family room watching, getting ready to watch married with children. And then of course, uh, my brother and I, we were just obsessed with all of these kind of weird shows. And so we loved the Tracy Ullman show because we loved comedy. And then, when the Simpsons was on there, we loved that even more. And now a little background. Now my brother is the director for family guy. He's an animator by trade. Oh, wow. uh, and he's, so he's obsessed with cartoon and animation since, a chi since childhood. Mm -hmm. So even like when he was nine or whatever, whenever the Simpsons was on the Tracy Ullman show, my brother was like, this is good animation. And so he made it like appointment that appointment viewing that we had to watch Tracy Ullman to try to see if the Simpsons was on. Now I now I don't think it was on every episode. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not too sure if it was on every episode of Tracy Ullman. I'm not too sure about that. Okay, because it was kind of like Saturday Night's main event. Like you'd you'd stay up late and hope it was on, and sometimes Saturday Night's uh, Saturday Night Live was on. Okay, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's like you would pray as a wrestling fan, you'd pray for Saturday Night's main event. So it's kind of like you watch Tracy Ullman and you prayed for a Simpsons to come. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So, I mean, when The Simpsons got its own show, which was, um, I think it was like where they got Santa's Little Helper, like mm. it was destination viewing. We knew, we couldn't believe it. We were excited. And I've been on, I've been on board since day one. I remember the iCarumba shirts coming out. I remember the Slingshot shirts, like at my mall, we raced to get them. Um, I was, we were a Simpson family for sure. And of course, with my brother being in animation, yeah, you know, I feel he always has like information to give me. Like just the other day, you know, I got to visit him in LA and we were talking about like um, Dan Castanella, like I guess has something in his contract where he like absolutely won't do anything, only the voice or so, you know, like he won't do the extra stuff. And, you know, he just being a director and being in the union, he just, I feel like he, and he's just a super fan of animation. He kind of always tells me some tidbits that I always enjoy. <laughs> it's always great to have an inside source. No conflict of interest here yeah. with your brother being on Family Guy? No, not at all. I don't even watch Family Guy, to be honest. <laughs> Does anyone watch Family Guy anymore? I mean, all, well, all, I, don't all watch the, I don't watch The Simpsons anymore. <laughs> exactly. Either, <so. laughs> but they still they still keep them around. You never kill The Simpsons. But um, yes, yeah, so let's go. Let's talk into um the home of they fall. What were your thoughts, Colt, on this episode? Well, I kind of wrote down a couple of things. I don't know what you... Well, we usually just give our little quick thoughts and then we'll delve into our proper favorite moments. Well, I don't know if my thoughts go into my moments. Oh, just, just go with it. Whatever, man. It doesn't Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> free, so, free flow, man. <laughs> well, listen, a great, uh, an iconic episode, a great episode. I'm so glad that you picked this one for me, yeah. one that I remember as a child. I think it was before kind of I, in my mind that everything kind of went downhill. Yeah, it was. Uh, the, so many, so many great, such attention to detail, uh, mm. joke writing, little jokes being put in there. And uh, I, I loved... I, I, I really, I don't think I like watched with a dissector's eye as much as I have today because I was like, oh, I'll be on a podcast about an episode. I really want to dissect this thing. Mm -hmm. And I love just looking at the different things and seeing the jokes and the little setups. And that was, I, that was uh, kind of my thought. I, I, I was very interested in the story, right? Like the story as a, so as a wrestler, like, you know, like I, I'm writing a story every time I do a match. So mm -hmm. like, you know, when I have a conclusion, it's like, I have to build towards that. And so I, I don't know, you know, maybe this could be later in the podcast. I'm not sure. But something I was really interested in was, okay, like the the finish of it was was Mo coming with the fan. Yeah. And in my head, this is how it went in my head in the writer's room, was they were just talking about what's stuff from boxing. And they came up with that fan guy first. And then they're like, how do we get out of this episode? And like someone, well, we got the fan guy, you know, in my head, they had the fan guy first and the ending second. Well, plus they've, they've set it up as well. I mean, just uh, when uh, Marge is outside the, uh, the, the changing room, she's saying, you've got to throw in the towel. And you know, if, if it looks like he's going to die, you got to throw in the towel and Mo throws away the towel. It's like, Ooh, okay. Well, you know, you've, you've set a little bit of tension there, you know, I mean, he's probably not going to do that. And then of course you got your happy ending with fan man. Right, and they did such a great job of introducing Fan Man before. Like it was a great yeah. surprise, like story writing. But I really, I'm curious. I would love to know what came first. Mm. Hey, we should have Fan Man in this episode, or the the ending should be fan. You know, Mo grabs him with a fan. And it wouldn't surprise me if they used to sort of get a conclusion and work their way back from there, which is a good way of booking wrestling too, isn't it? You you, you find your, your what you want your your main event to be, like your pay per view match, and you work your way back. Is that right? Of course, of course. Yeah. We find now when we're reviewing more modern day Simpsons, it seems they get to the 20 minute mark and go, shit, we haven't even ending for this episode. Quick, wrap this one up quickly. And it's like, that ending didn't make any sense. But yeah, it's and you, you hear the stories of like, you know, Conan and like um, Dana Gould. Like I, I hear Dana Gould on a lot of podcasts because I love comedy. And you just like, 
how like deeply invested they were and how much they loved the show and how important every little detail was. So yeah, it kind of still says Marge versus the monorail is like his biggest achievement, which is saying something when um, you kind of know Brian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I loved about this episode too was there's so many things that as a kid you never really appreciated because I would have been about 10 when this first came out, but the animation you're saying, like the little details, but I love the directing, like every room, just the cracks in the in the backstage room, like in Moe's office, all the cracks in the wall, even the, the training gym, posters half ripped off the wall, one little single light bulb from the roof. It just really felt like your, your dingy boxing hall. I thought the animation was just fantastic in this. As a wrestler, I was a little like, it's so funny. I was like that ring that they put in Moe's tavern. Yeah. I was like, I don't, that's not a real ring. It wasn't sturdy. Like the posts were made out of like wood. So I questioned that to be honest. <laughs> a few facts about this episode I thought were quite interesting. So we get, you know, obviously a take of Mike Tyson, uh, Dredrick Tatum, and we get um, Don King, Lucius Sweet. But Paul Winfield, he was the guy who voiced Lucius Sweet. Now, you may know Paul Winfield guy because guy's our movie man. He's been a movie reviewer for thirty years. It was his, his Should thing. He played Should Don I Google King. Google Paul Winfield. Yeah, well, he played Don King in the nineteen ninety five biopic Tyson. Oh, wow, which I thought was pretty cool. You're a big fan of that film, aren't you, guy? Tyson. It's a good one. Yeah, it's got a great actor named Michael J. White or Michael J. White uh, playing Tyson. Yeah, he's a. It's it's a really good one. There's a, a few good uh, movies about Don King around. There's one where Ving Rhames from Pulp Fiction played Don King called Don King Only in America, which is just fantastic. It's so, so good. But, yeah, being Paul Winfield's a fantastic actor, no longer with us, but uh, uh, he'd, he'd been around since the 60s or 70s. Oh. And um, I'm looking at his IMDb, and, of course, I the one that pops out to me is Mars Attacks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a great film. <laughs> but, yeah, so they originally wanted King to, to voice himself, and he just obviously turned him down, so they got Paul Winfield, which I thought was just awesome. I'm surprised Don King turned it down. Yeah. Who, who voiced... Um, Tyson or a uh, fake Tyson? Ah, uh, fake Tyson. I believe that was Hank Azaria. I'll just double check that. That's though. what I I would have. I kind of mm. assumed that. It's, he seems yeah. to do those sort of like lispy voices on The Simpsons. And you know, I was on a show with Mike Tyson for AEW. You were, yeah. yeah. So ha- tell us, tell us about that, right? So <laughs> Mike Tyson's just there hanging out. There's that fo- photo of look like where he's asleep, but we don't know whether that's real or not. But like, what's that cat like? <laughs> I mean, he. So it was a weird time during the, during the pandemic, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't want to say anything that will like get picked up by anything, but he just, he just seemed cool and uh, he just didn't have a care in the world. And, you know, uh, everyone wanted his picture and everyone got his picture. I'll say that. That's good. Uh, And for that, you know, I, well, for the money he was getting paid, I'm sure it was okay for him to do that. But (laughs) Uh, you're not going to say anything, but I'll say something from what I understand. Uh, Mr. Tyson now has his own brand of weed and he is blazed like 24 so- <laughs> seven. I, I think you're on the exact same page. I was probably on. <laughs> <laughs> you can allude to it. I'm just going to say it. His, um, his crew definitely looked like they were trying something because like, I remember that end of that show where they're having that sort of standoff with Jericho. And I was like, these cats are just going for it. Yeah. Oh, I was in, I guess I was in the ring with Mike Tyson. Wasn't I? Were you, were you in the ring for that bit at the end with the big pull apart? Yeah. Because then Jericho, Jericho and I wrestled like the next week. Yes. On TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of the matches of Jericho, man, are you still happy to talk about compression socks or what's man? Oh my god, yeah. I I wrestled a huge match. It was my first match in a while on on international television. I went to go get a pair of long socks, and I just didn't know what compression socks were, and they were long. And then I wrestled in them, and then the doctors were like, like I I felt like I was gonna die in the ring, but I just didn't know why. I was like, I guess I'm out of shape. And apparently, like, yeah, compression socks. Basically, I made a tourniquet for my lower body. Apparently. Oh my god! Yeah, 
Yeah. But so um, at what point during the match did you realize something's not right here? Well, the whole match, but then like towards the end, I really was out of it. But I knew I was like going towards the end, so it would be fine and I'd get there. But I just knew, I just knew I was lacking a lot of energy and I, it was, I couldn't understand why. Were you still doing indie <laughs> shows during your time off TV? Yeah, but not that much. You know, I like, you know, before the pandemic, I've wrestled like all over the world and I would mm -hmm. wrestle any single show anywhere. And then a month before the pandemic, I got signed to AEW and then the pandemic happened. And then like, I learned that like, Hey Colt, like it's okay to take some time off in your life and sit home and enjoy yourself. Mm. And, uh, I kind of started to enjoy that a, a little. So I stopped taking as many into sh indie shows as I used to because a, I, you know, I, I'm under a contract to AEW. So like, I'm not, you know, hurting and B like, I'm trying to enjoy my, enjoy the world a little more. And also you've said that. <laughs> You know, you like, I'm like you in the sense of like the control aspect when you're doing all of your work, like your podcast and things like that, you like to do everything, which can be a negative. Like, do you still see it as a negative? Like, do you, are you still able to now, do you still hand out like jobs to people or is it still you, you, you? It's funny you say that because like I tried to like hand, I tried to like restart Wrestling Anonymous by giving, delegating mm. and like it, you obviously hasn't, haven't seen it re-come out because like I just can't figure out how the delegation goes and I'm trying to do the same thing with my social media and like, I'm having a hard, like, I know I have to delegate and I'm trying to, but I like, it's, it's hard, hard to it? like, it's hard to <laughs> find the, 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 like the, the right terms, but it's something I've been working on. Well, I think, I think the term is just, you don't mean anything against it, but it's, it's hard to trust other people with your baby, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, or it's just like, I know what I, I know what needs to get done. And I, I think I'm my most important person you know like they're going to be their most important person so like why would they work why would they work like like i'm their most important person i shouldn't be yeah uh so i kind of had that mindset we have something similar at four finger discount uh cult i mean dando was often trying to delegate stuff to me and i'm going nah <laughs> <laughs> and it's better that way trust me <laughs> are you tired of hearing people talk about something and would just rather hear two aussies talk about nothing well look no further than our show talking seinfeld a podcast where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series talking seinfeld is available now for free on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you find your podcasts hey my favorite so were they your favorite moments that you discussed before cold well, I, so I have some moments that snapped from my childhood. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. And those were two, just things that like, like I called it before it happened and they were both during the fight. So obviously, uh, why can't we be friends? That's the, uh, the greatest, as, isn't as it? theme music. Before it even came out, I started singing it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my favorite. And the thing is, I can't listen to that song now without just thinking of that moment every single time. <laughs> but that, was there a better song choice for Homer's entrance? I don't think there is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's classic. Um, and then the other thing was I, before, you know, when Marge is in the crowd and I, and I just said, like, before he said it, I go, why is it, what's that blue or that blue cactus is right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that was a joke that I just remembered from my childhood right away. So, uh, those were two of my favorite moments. And then, uh, the other thing I wrote down, I wrote, I, I did write down that world's best jacket, but, yeah. uh, um, I loved having Michael Buffer in there, mm. but you know, he would get paid at that time. And I don't know if you f found any information on this, but like he'd get a million dollars a shot at WCW when he was re introducing wrestling. A million dollars a shot? A million bucks a shot. That's what how much he asked for. And he got it because that company really didn't, they just doled out money. They didn't yeah. care. I wonder what he got paid for this. What about you, Gob? What were your favorite moments? 
I'm on record as like one of my favourite Simpsons gags of all time is just Mo going through his names when he was a boxer. Mm-hmm. Just love that he was Kid Gorgeous. Kid Presentable is just one of the best gags of all time, if you ask me. I just love that. It's like a boxer coming in and, like, and here's Kid Presentable. <laughs> going then to Kid Gruesome and finally Kid Mo. I just thought that was lovely. But Kid Presentable is just so funny to me. Uh, being a real film nerd, I love the, rock sing- uh, the Raging Bull shout out, sort of the tribute where it's all in black and white. Got the opera music and uh, Homer's just sort of going from uh, up echelon to echelon, <laughs> just indicated by he's getting the better car wash every time. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Paul Winfield's uh, yeah, Don King impersonation was just fantastic. Um, and, of course, Mo just not twigging to all this uh, excess language that uh, uh, that's, uh, that Lucia Sweet is using. I'm, and I'm always, always, always happy when quote-unquote wise guy shows up whatever role he's doing or whatever sort of form he's taken and this you know now he's in the um the extravagant shop and uh, comic book guy's trying to return that belt you go, whoa that sarcastic star trek fan you must be a devil with the ladies <laughs> that's one of my favorite things to use as a meme response to like in comments on facebook or whatever when someone's being a smart ass you must be a devil with the ladies <laughs> every time <laughs> something that really hit me too like later here being a wrestler and thinking about how you write stuff mm. is I'm sure they work backwards. It's like, okay, Homer has to get enough. Homer wants to become a boxer. Why? Okay. These guys mm. are going to beat them up. Why? Okay. I love the idea of them building back to them, you know, Bart being beat up. Like I love thinking of the way that they probably yeah. processed how to get to there. And then all the stories and jokes that they got, like, you know, like it just started this weird, you know, him, him, whatever, like however, Full like effect, comic yeah. book guy. Yeah. 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 I thought that was great. Uh, I, I did have a question. Yeah. Uh, I, I noticed that there was no B story. Yeah, that's that's one of the good mm. things about this episode, I think, because I think a B story would have been distracting. Do they they do a lot of B stories, right? They, or they very often, yeah. during the, especially during this period, the golden era, there was always, yeah, you kill an A story, and usually the B plot was pre- usually pretty good as well, but it usually wasn't good enough to really have a fleshed out 22-minute story wrapped around it. But this one here, I think the story was just so full of stuff that you just you didn't need yeah. the B plot, in my opinion. I agree. I just thought it was interesting. Like I always yeah. remember them being two things. Yeah, and I, I always love how like in this episode here, they just didn't waste any time. Like within two or three minutes, Homer's getting beaten up at the bar. He's a boxer. We're getting into it. Also, this episode came at a time when I was still too young to really appreciate it. But like the Mike Tyson era was coming to an end. I guess you could say he was just coming out of prison. But for a while there, like he was just like the biggest athlete. Was it him or Jordan? Who was the biggest athlete in the planet? Tyson or Jordan? Do you think? I'm gonna say Michael Jordan with Tyson, like you know, maybe a close second or third. But Jordan was the king. Jordan, yeah, and he always will be the king. Jordan, yeah, yeah just by virtue of just, I mean, this is not to sledge Mike Tyson's boxing ability because he's an incredible fighter. But I mean, Jordan is just sort of a law unto himself. Whereas Tyson is kind of like, I don't know, it's hard to describe because I mean, I was around for the era when he emerged, and it was like a. He was like a, a sort of a character out of like Greek legend or something. He was just this, I don't want to sound derogatory, but he's just an absolute monster. I mean, he was just incredibly built, incredibly ferocious in the ring. I mean, he, he literally looked like he wanted to, and I think he's on the record saying, yeah, I wanted to go in and I wanted to put his nose into his brain. It's like, holy shit, this is, I thought, Boxing was the sport of, you know, the gentlemanly Marcus of Queensbury rules and shit. This guy wants to come in and kill me. So, I mean, yeah, Tyson was just fearsome. He was like the boogeyman. And I'll say, if you want to know, like, really who was the biggest in the world, uh, my trip to Australia last year, Mm. I think, would prove that Michael Jordan still is. As Mm. every single person in Australia had a Michael Jordan or Chicago Bulls jersey on. 
I thought, I thought it was wild. And Air Jordans are back as well, yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, if you're looking for the best darn King of the Hill podcast this side of Ireland, look no further than our new show, Speaking of the Hill, where we go back and revisit every episode of the Iconic series. Speaking of the Hill is available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Let's get into some trivia. All right, Colt, I'm glad that you've said you're going to do some trivia for us as well. I'll let you kick off being the guest. Give us, hit us with your first trivia question. Oh, I'm supposed to give you a trivia question? Oh, oh, oh I've got trivia questions. Yeah, yeah. You, well, okay, you get ready to answer then. <laughs> okay. Jesus, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> okay, here we go. My first question is, in Mo's office, uh, on the background, there is a, um, there's a poster for Sizzlack versus Oakley, and Bill Oakley was the showrunner at the time this episode aired. Now, there was another fight on that poster. Did you guys catch who the names were on that poster? Uh, it's Kirkland versus Silverman. And Mark Kirkland was the director of this episode and David Silverman, the, one of the original animators and still to this day, one of the directors of The Simpsons. Yeah, just little, I love that The Simpsons animators were able to get their names in there here and there or draw themselves into the mm-hmm. show and things like that. Uh, Guy, what's your first question? Uh, Mo says he's going to take a cut of Homer's boxing earnings. How much? Oh, I know this. Go for it. 60%. 60%, yes. <laughs> you are correct, sir. What a businessman. Uh, my next question is- <laughs> Oh, I have one. Oh, you have one. Okay, cool. Hit me. <laughs> uh, what, what were the odds for Homer to win? Oh, shit. Oh, man. 1,100 to one? Guy? No, you got me. Ooh, 1,000 to one. 1,000 to one. Damn it. I thought it was too <laughs> obvious. <laughs> and uh, we've got two more. So in Moe's, he hasn't had any ladies in there since what year? 1979. Correct. There we go. See, you know your shit. <laughs> I just watched it, but it's, it's, it's funny the things that you know stick with me. Yeah, exactly. All right, go. What's your next one? Oh, I'll give you another one. Oh, you go. Okay, cool. Oh. Oh, yep. Uh, how much extra padding does Homer have on his brain? Oh, I do Ooh, know I this one. Yeah, go, you go, guy. I want to say 18%. One eighth. It's one eighth, right? Oh, one eighth. One eighth, yeah. Well, you I got the one and one eighth. Guy, hit me. Uh, what is Fat Tony's full name? Ah, Anthony Fat Tony D'Amico or something? That I think it's- is right. Oh, I thought it was Fatrissimus Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my final question though is that we see a little magazine front cover with, with Dredrick on it and it says Dredrick Tatum what's the, the subheading under his name I don't know why such rage yeah why such rage uh, yes <laughs> that, that magazine is millionaire boxing <laughs> uh, when when Mo gets the cigar out of the canister what does it say on it oh I don't know oh. that one what is it because it's the uh, tampon thing oh of course uh, oh. yeah for your convenience <laughs> For your courtesy. Oh, for your courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guy, hit us with one more question before we get into the, the full in-depth review. Name the brand of slacks worn by Mo. Oh, no idea. Oh, I don't no know idea. either. All those angels wear fairer slacks. Fairer slacks, Ferris that's right. Slacks. All right, that is trivia for the Home of Day 4. We'll be right back, guys, after this short break with our in-depth review. The Four Finger Discount Network is brought to you by our incredible supporters on Patreon. Each month, we provide close to 20 hours of listening content with our supporters gaining early ad-free access to every podcast, access to our Facebook community, prize draws, Zoom calls, as well as our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Tales of Futurama, The Movie Guys, and Four Finger Discount 2.0, with myself and Mitch continuing where we left off back in Season 11. So if you enjoy everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you too can join the family for just as little as $1 per month and help this podcast dream continue to thrive by heading to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Link is in the description of this podcast. 
If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She is literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of The Home of They Four was November 10th, 1996. It was written by Jonathan Collier and directed by Mark Kirkland, starring Paul Winfield as Lucius Sweet and Michael Buffer as himself. The gag, I am not my long-lost twin, and the couch gag is the living room is in a desert and the family is dressed as cowboys and cowgirls and they bounce around on the couch. All right, so the episode kicks off with the family at the, uh, the Springfield Mall watching the memories of Bonanza, the mall show, which is just so depressing. <laughs> but you understand... Like Bonanza is a TV show, you know that, right? I know, I know, I know oh, Bonanza. Okay. Yes, yes, but just that's why it's just so depressing. Just is like and two also, of them left. I assume the funny joke was like that those that the native the natives were just like the ones probably getting killed in the ep- right. Mm-hmm. I never watched Bonanza because I was obviously too young. But I so, didn't either. But I assumed that the cowboys were the big stars and the natives were just like random people that were just getting killed, playing by nobodies, and they. Had yeah. these two natives as the. I'm, as the, I'm pretty sure that yeah, these were two extras who were recycled. Right, you know, right. They were given it. Yeah. Well, I just love it. Like they, they make the gag about the um the, the main cast being dead and just getting nothing. Tumbleweeds. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Springfield Mall, in conjunction with Nostalgia Licensing Corporation, is proud to present the Stars of Bonanza. Thank you. I just wish Ben and Hoss and Little Joe and Hop Singh and Sheriff Roy and all your favorites could be alive today to see this wonderful turnout. You know, on the series, we were always trying to kill the Cartwrights. But it looks like Father Time took care of that for us, right? Am I right, folks? This sucks. Weren't there three Indians last year? Wrestling conventions. Do you ever see people where it's just like, ugh, mate, probably just time to wrap this up? Or do you think it's like, if you're a professional wrestler, regardless of age, go out there and hustle? Yeah, like I, of course, like a little, at first I'm like, ugh, what are they doing? But then I'm like, well, if you can make an extra 10 bucks, you make an extra 10 bucks. 10 bucks is 10 bucks, man. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But there's got to be like the moments where you just walk around, you just... (laughs) Almost like you go, you go and you buy a, a, an eight by ten just out of sympathy, right? Well, listen, I've had the same I've had the same thoughts of like no one's I'm not making as much. I'm like, oh god, am I that guy now? <laughs> I'm sure you never will be that guy. Never. Don't worry. But yeah, as you were saying, guy, they make the joke about the cart rights, and then people weren't happy. And then they uh they approach a store, uh, miscellaneous etc. I believe it's called, and um, <laughs> Homer's just taken aback by this. We don't have any stores like this in Australia, do we? Where it's just random junk. It's funny you mention that on Paco. There's a there's a shop called Etc. I'm okay. sorry, that's a very Geelong yeah. reference. <laughs> uh, there's a street called Packenden Street, and it's just known in pure Australian soon, uh, terms as Paco. Yeah, but yeah. There's actually a shop called Etc. That's just full of random shit. 
Now, when Marge says anyone who needs this kind of status symbol must have some terrible emotional problems, I'm like, what does this say about me? Because I want that jacket. That's why briefcase case. <laughs> the sw- yeah. Are you talking about the world's best jacket? <laughs> the world's best jacket, yes. Yeah. By the way, who was on the world's best jacket? I'm looking at it right now. It looked like Elvis. Marilyn Monroe and I believe Elvis. Elvis, okay, yeah, yeah. But then we get comic book guy returning the ultimate belt that he got at a door prize at a Star Trek convention. Yes, finally, I would like to return your quote-unquote ultimate belt. I see. Do you have a receipt? Quote-unquote, sir? No, I do not have a receipt. I want it as a door prize at the Star Trek convention, although I find their choice of prize highly illogical, as the average Trekker has no use for a medium-sized belt. Whoa, whoa, uh, fat, sarcastic Star Trek fan. You must be a devil with the ladies. Hey, I... <laughs> the, oh. As you're saying, guy, the... the the wise guy. He's just one of the greatest side characters, I think, in the history of The Simpsons. He doesn't appear all that often, so they never overdo it, but he's always just got a really great one-liner. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. If, you, if you're not great at impersonations, like me, uh, you know, it, he's just a great guy to do, though. If you, I don't know, if you just want to be a snarky bastard, yeah. borrow a wise guy line, but especially this one. Whoa, you must be a devil with the ladies. That's one thing we've found, Cole, as we've delved into the later seasons of The Simpsons, compared to the golden era, was that you had so many side characters who were just there for their, their catchphrases, and they all added something to the show. But as they went on, it was almost like they were run, not running out of ideas, but they thought they needed to flesh out these characters. And I think that sort of, it took something away from them. So it's like right. characters like yeah. characters like Wise Guy. They haven't fleshed out him yet, thank God. But characters like Comic Book Guy, like they told us his real name and things like that. Yeah, and his yeah. date and we want you to be one D. That's it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah you're, yeah, you're garnish or you're you're a squeeze of lemon on the dish. That's what you are, man. You're not, you know, you're not the you're not the main cause. But then he has to hurry back to his store where he dispenses the insults rather than absorb them. <laughs> what would be the worst insult you've heard a crowd member say to you, Colt? Oh God, um, <laughs> some Semitic shit for sure. Really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, I thought we were past that. <laughs> when you're out there, obviously you're just going to be professional, but does it ever get to you or do you just you just got to learn, just fuck it, they don't matter? You know, it, it really, it really, I really turn it on show mode, so it really doesn't get to me, which is kind of funny because like, you know, something I love is like, like an encourage, like I love it. Like when like a grandma like squeezes my butt or rubs my chest, you know, or like a woman rubs my chest or whatever it is. And then like now, you know, but no, but now you learn that it's like, you know, consent and kind of demeaning. But in my head, I'm just like, dude, when, when the camera's going, I'll do anything. I don't care. So not to condone their bad behavior or the, or the crowd sort of insulting or anything like that. They're probably in show mode as well. That makes sense. Well, that's what pro wrestling is. It's just an escape from the reality for a while. But do you think there's a change now with crowds where they're almost hesitant to get involved because of what's happened? Well, I think you sh- they should always be hesitant to cross the line at something yeah. that they shouldn't be. But the guy makes a good point. Is that like, right, you've taken yourself out of reality and you're just kind of entered this world. Um, but you got to keep yourself, you got to keep your foot in, in one step, you know, one foot in the world of reality at all times for sure. Mm. Yeah. So we're now at school and Bart is showing off his tactical pants retaining system, which I thought was a great name. This is actually also one of my favorite moments that he's ragging on your cord. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just love that. But um, yeah, so as the kids are all admiring the belt, now if God wore pants, he'd wear pants like this. It's got a compass, matches, whistle, saw, panic button, squirrel snare, radon, lie detector, a uh, sphygmomanometer. What, what is that? A sphygmomanometer. <laughs> I was hoping you'd know. <laughs> I have no idea. But um, yeah, it's even got turn signals, which obviously pays off in, in just a few moments. This episode was great at sort of introducing things that paid off in just a few moments. Like you were saying, fan guy. When mm. they introduced him, you think that's just a, a gag. But no, it pays off uh, with the story at the end. 
Because as a kid, I had no idea who Fanguy was. I was like, who, the, who was this fan guy? But he was a thing, wasn't he? For sure. He was an American phenomenon, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're right on what you're saying before about sort of the reverse engineering of, you know, start at the end, work backwards, and then once you've got the start and you've got the whole structure in place, that's when you can do a little interior designing and, mm. you know, go through and speckle through little jokes like the whole turn signal thing and all the texture that's in this episode. Because you're right, there's just so much uh, little little bits and pieces all through that just make it so memorable. Yeah. So obviously the bullies catch up to him. They start beating him up. And Homer, this, this was great. So Homer's like, doesn't notice that anything's wrong with him being beaten up. He's like, what happened yep. to your belt? <laughs> that was a great joke. Yeah, I noticed that right away. Yeah, yeah. So he tells him you need to go squeal. He says he's going to squeal on his parents for him. Cut to him getting beaten up in Mo's. Now, this is the first and only time that the parents of the bullies appear on the show. Is that right? Yeah, because a running gag mm. with Kearney, who was the ball bully, is always that he's an adult who's got his own kid. And now suddenly he's got his own his, his father here, but they, they, these guys never returned. Sorry, I would say that uh, you said Kearney, but I th- I would say Kearney, but um, Kearney, Kearney. I've, I've always said Kearney. <laughs> he he looks like an older version of of Homer. I mean, like a first rough draft of Homer, <laughs> like, like back in the Tracy Ullman days. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, but those early cartoons. I know you're saying that we look back now and we think, oh god, those cartoons look so crude. But in the moment, did they look great to you? Did they the, the Tracy Ullman shorts? Yeah, that's all we knew, right? Yeah, I guess so. And also also just so different from other animation as well. Yeah. But, you know, looking now, I look back at this episode and I go, this animation looks way better than now because now it's too crisp. Too clean, yeah. I know. And and I've been yeah. to the to the studio a few times and like they'll tell me that they used all the computers, the computers now to draw it. And they think sometimes they wish they could just go back to the old school animation just to see <laughs> what it would be like. But they, they said it's just not feasible anymore. It's just too much, it's just too much hard work, you know. Mm-hmm. Using computers yeah. much easier, but you're right. It's just you watch the new ones and you go, "This doesn't feel like Simpsons." You know, it's just it's too clean. Ugh, that's for telling me how to raise my lousy kid. And this is for the crummy life I've had to live. The thing is, Bart really loves that Belton. Hey, something's wrong with this guy. He's not falling down. Fun's over, fellas. If you're gonna beat up my friend and my bot, is a two drink minimum. Jeez, Homer, I never seen a guy stand up to that kind of punishment. I mean, you took a three-man pounding and didn't even fall down. Big deal. I didn't even get my kid's belt back. The only thing a loser like me is good for is taking beatings. There you go. That's the spirit. Homer, I seen prize fighters couldn't take a punch half as good as you. You know, boxing might be right up your alley. Really? Oh, please, it's the good life, Homer. Some of these boxes, they eat steak and lobster and salad bar all in a single meal. <gasps> Dressing? Their choice. You really think I could do it? Well, I don't know. Are you man enough to test every one of your limits? Yes. And are you man enough to throw a punch should the opportunity arise? Yes. And are you man enough to give me a 60% cut? Yes! I'll take it. Woohoo! We then cut back and Homer is being taken to the women's toilet slash Mo's office and we get the the kid gorgeous gag, which you always go on about, God, you love this, don't you? <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, well, I do know why. I did write, I wrote a whole essay on it for our site. I think yeah. it's the only essay that I've ever written for the Full Finger Discount site. But yeah, I just love... Um, uh, boxing nicknames as well. Mm. In fact, I've got to, I should find that article as so I list a whole bunch of them because, you know, you've got ones that are just really basic, you know, like the greatest, like for, for Muhammad Ali. But, you know, others, well, what are they, what are they called Homer later? Um, the Southern Dandy. Southern Dandy. Oh. But what's the other one? 
Yeah, that's the one. It was something like bullshit. Is like that shit house, but it was shit. Oh, yeah. the, the the brick hit house. The brick hit house. Brick yes. hit house. That was one <laughs> yeah. that I thought was so good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Now, Homer, if I'm gonna manage your boxing career, I want you to have complete faith in me. Come here, let me show you something. Wow, I've never been in here before. Yeah, well, when I realized we hadn't had no ladies in here since 1979, I turned it into an office. You used to be a boxer just like me? Yup, they called me Kid Gorgeous. Later on, it was Kid Presentable. Then Kid Gruesome. And finally, Kid Mo. Hey, what's it? Ah, that, that's my old spit bucket. Yeah, I've been meaning to empty that out. You know Lucius Sweet? He's one of the biggest names in boxing. He's exactly as rich and as famous as Don King, and he looks just like him, too. Yeah, he was my manager. Back when I was gorgeous, everybody wanted a piece of me. But somehow, I just never made it to the big time. Why not? Because I got knocked out 40 times in a row. That plus politics. You know, it's all politics. Lousy Democrats. We cut to Marge is concerned. If you're going to do this, you know, you've got to go see a doctor, a competent doctor, and she go- he goes to see Hibbert. And unfortunately for Marge, Hibbert says that, you know, he meets all the state requirements to box, wrestle, and be shot out of a cannon. Now, that was the joke, right? Like, when he said to the doctor, did we all go, like, up? Oh, he's going to go see Dr. Nick. Did we all think that? Mm. No, that, that's exactly what they're going for there, yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing is, now, we're doing season 17, it's almost, and it's like Dr. Nick's been written out of the show, and Dr. Hibbert's just become a combination of both of them. Like, Hibbert's not mm. the competent doctor anymore. It's like they went, ah, who needs two characters? Let's just have one doctor. But yeah, so he goes to see Hibbert, as we said, and Hibbert explains that he's got Homer Simpson syndrome. He's got a, a layer of fluid <laughs> one eighth thicker than normal. And then we get training with Mo. This was fantastic. Wait, hold on. Don't forget the... I mean, two by four. First of all... <laughs> Yes, Homer, Homer Simpson syndrome, and then him going "aw" is, and then you having to think of like how funny that is is a great joke. Yeah. And then yes, taking out the sterile two by four is also a great joke. <laughs> what did he say? Why me? <laughs> What's your favorite common weapon in wrestling? I feel like the kendo oh. stick gets overused now. Yeah, you know, I, I um, when you do a good fire extinguisher and you spray that fire, you know, that makes such a big gust of whatever yeah. it is. You know, I'm sure you'll die of uh, asphyxiation or something but is there ever the panic though that it's not going to go off i'd always just panic for the rest i'm like oh please work please work because this will be embarrassing if it doesn't go off god i I, to be honest i've never used it i just enjoy watching it from afar well one thing you have been involved (laughs) with is the fucking fireballs man that is terrifying to me like you did with your seven match with pierce you had the fireball terrifying is is that terrifying yeah so it's terrifying as well for you like there's no safe way of going but fire is not safe no matter how you're handling it right you just think to yourself you just like it's the same thing it's like i'll let a woman rub my chest i'll let a man throw throw fire at me like i'm in the i'm in the the cameras are on it's go time like when cody went through that tight table on fire on dynamite last year i'm like what are you doing mate (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't pay me enough money to do that kind of stuff but you know you guys are you guys know what you're doing uh, Homer is now training with Mo. How great was this when he hits the fly and the fly just flies away? <laughs> it's, the, it's the glove. He's exhausted already. And I've just got here, just, you know, like the cracks in the wall and everything, just really, you're buying into this story just because they make it look so real as well. <laughs> and Mo says, you know what? You're not going to be a fighter. You're not going to be a, a hitter. You're just going to stand there whilst the opponent, your opponent gets overexhausted. And if the ref's not looking to kick him a few times as well. Um, okay, we have to note there was a flaw in this. Uh, so, well, one of the greatest... One of the great bits was when he hits it once, and then he has to take a break, mm. and then he sits on the ropes for a leg, and then he's like, I'll, "Okay, now, no, no, I'm not." 
And then it cuts right to him like being able to jog. Get out of here. Oh yeah, true. true. <laughs> I didn't even think about continuity that, but- is not uh, <laughs> yeah, the watchword of The Simpsons. Well, as Matt Salmon, one of the um, the showrunners of The Simpsons, now he says there's no room for comedy. Uh, no room for continuity in comedy. <laughs> Who's gonna knock you down? No one. When are you gonna fight back? Never. What are you gonna do? Nothing. That's my boy. It's now time for the first match against Boxcar Bob, and um, who was fighting for a sandwich. And um, Mo gives Homer his lucky mitts, but he needs to take the barbed wire off because that's the stinger. The stinger. They don't let you do that one anymore. Mo, uh, Homer, you don't want to get drawn into a boxing match here. Just let him hit you and then just push him over. And they're, um, they're, they're all taken aback by how well this tramp's fighting, except you know he's got the energy of a hobo, except when he checks on his bindle. <laughs> <laughs> tramp with an energy of a hobo, that's actually my Tinder profile. <laughs> But yeah, so Homer then ends up nudging Boxcar Bob and he falls over and um, he gets the win. Then we get the Raging Bull montage. I thought you would have appreciated this guy. I did indeed. You know, the, the lovely operatic music and the black and white. And <laughs> yeah, but like I said, just, you know, the, the signs of success are just like, ooh, you can afford the, what's it, mega premium Mega tycoon wash is the final one. <laughs> and this is where Lucius Sweet arrives. Hello, Mo. Delightful to see you again. Lucius, hey, what's a glitterati like you doing in my dump? I, I thought you were managing the champ. Yes, managing Gretrick has been my highest priority, even though he is temporarily incarcerated for pushing his mother down the stairs. But with his impending release, I've been strategizing for his glorious return to the shores of Fistiana. Uh, what? His comeback fight. You know, boxing. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, well, who's donating his body for that one, huh? Well, word is you manage a stalwart young pugilist who cannot be knocked down. Homer? You want Homer to fight Tatum? Well, the fans are weary of fights that are over before they have an opportunity to even get drunk. I just need a body who can sustain verticality for three rounds. Yeah, but Homer's no boxer. He's, he's just a freak. Tatum will fustigate him. Well, fustigation aside, Mo, you've got a choice. You can either sit here in the ladies' room with your faded memories, or you can take your last shot at the big time, and I can make it happen. Three rounds. That's all I ask. Don King is such an interesting character. I mean, because... Yeah. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I want to be careful what I say about Don King, who is still with us, I believe. I believe he still is, right, Colt? I think so. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the- yeah. But I mean, certainly operated on the wrong side of the tracks for a while. But um, yeah, just was elevated to this position of uh, power and glory through sheer hustle. And uh, but you know, the way he presented himself and the, and certainly the way he spoke. I mean, yeah, I mean. I love the the yeah what you were saying before about the line is he looks like Don King he sounds like him <laughs> yeah I just love the, the way sort of when he does his proposition to um to Mo he jingles his chain puts on his crown as he as he walks out hmm. so then they're on the roof at Mo's and Mo says I didn't bring you up here to show you the new tar paper Homer's Dan's delivery here of you didn't <laughs> and he says you, know, you want to be heavyweight champ yeah sure. And Homer oh, agrees sure. to a fight with Tatum without even really knowing who Dredgerick Tatum is. Homer trusts him. So, you know, you know, if you think I can beat him, Mo, then I'm all for it. Hey, guys, come on, shut up. Sorry, champ. It was Jerry. 
shut up. <laughs> I think it was just guys, what, keep it down. What a way of just emphasizing how dangerous this guy is for just stopping your right. Hey guys, shut up. <laughs> this is- <laughs> Tyson had to be at home watching this, or at least you know one of his entourage or whatever was like. You know what they're saying about John the Sims? Yeah. <laughs> what if he said, that's a very accurate representation of me. <laughs> well, he was just coming out of prison not long before this, and they, apparently like his comeback mm. fights were just like lambs to the slaughter. I remember getting a couple of them. Champ, Champ, do you feel remorse for your crime? Oh, yes. Believe me, my God. If I could turn back the clock on my mother's stair pushing, I would certainly reconsider it. Drenerick, uh, what do you think of Homer Simpson? I think he's a good man. I like him. I got nothing against him, but I'm definitely going to make orphans of his children. Uh, you know, they do have a mother, champ. Yes, but I would imagine that she would die of grief. Frederick? Thank you, thank you, but the champ has no time for further queries. This parole hearing is over. Then Marge sees it in the paper because Homer hasn't told her. Homer has, doesn't even think it's a big deal. It's like, oh, I am fighting Tatum. I don't know who this Tatum guy is. And it's this yeah. champ to wail on local man. And then uh, Homer lists all the reasons why he wants to do this fight because of the money. I love that my favorite is that the little blue cupcakes that they sell sometimes. We can afford all the finer things in life, Marge. <laughs> then um, Marge says, you know, but you're going to be killed. And Lisa agrees, you know, that the odds are all against you. You can't do this, Dad. And then we get one of my favorite commercials ever. Society put Dredrick Tatum away for his brutal crime, but he's paid his debt. And now he's going to get revenge. On Homer Simpson. Yay! That's your daddy. There are t-shirts, aren't they? The uh, Simpsons versus Tatum uh, payback t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. So we actually sell Colt these. Um, talking of hustle, our little side hustles. We um, you know, we we work together with various t-shirt companies here in Australia. One of them being Uncle Rico, and we have this like a like a payback pay-per-view t-shirt. That's you. Um, you can save 10% with the code fourfinger if you go to UncleRico.com and purchase your payback shirts. You know, as someone who helped start a, a wrestling shirt phenomenon, uh, the second I saw that shirt, like my mind was like, ooh, I was, I was like, someone should make that shirt. But then I was like, I assume, I go, oh, I bet everyone's made that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing about that shirt is it's only like three colors. So it's very cheap to make that shirt as well. Right. But then um, but now we're at the event. We've got a T-shirt guy at the front. Every event's always got the, the fake merch guy at the front. And whenever I'm walking into an event, I'm always like, I know it's fake merch, but some of it kind of looks pretty good. And it's pretty cheap. Should I just? But the best thing to do is you wait till the event's over because always half price on the way out. But do you ever have, what's your favorite piece of like fake merch, Colt? Do you have any at all? Well, I mean, for years, I would go to Tijuana. I would buy wrestling masks. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I oh. would come sell them in America. And that's how I honestly like, was able to pay my rents in my young wrestling when I wasn't that big of a star. And, you know, my eight by tens and, and VHS tapes weren't moving that hot. Uh, I would get kind of the cheap knockoff wrestling masks and sell them up in America at, at, at America shows. What's the markup for a luchador mask? It, at the time it was like two bucks for a, I would get them for two bucks a pop and sell them for 10. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. See, this is what I mean, guy. What a hustler. What a man. <laughs> <laughs> and usually like my theory was, I don't want to pay over three bucks for to pay to sell for ten. That was always kind of my theory. Was it? I had a three to ten ratio. We had to cover, yeah. Well, as you call it, gas. We call it petrol. He had to cover the gas to get to um to T one in the first place, right? Uh, I I had a guy who had a guy like no. yeah. <laughs> okay. well, well, I wrestled there. I would wrestle there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you say yeah, killing two birds with one that, stone. That's that business major coming through. Yeah, there you go. According to Wikipedia. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the, the tasteful attire is prohibited at this event. Everyone's walking in with wacky outfits and 
Bart and Homer in the locker room here. I thought it was great lighting here where you can just see the silhouette of them. You'll be okay, Dad. Just make sure he hits you an even number of times so you don't end up with amnesia. Mo, I'm so glad I found you. Please, promise me you won't let Homer get hurt. Hey, 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 I'm not the villain here, okay? If Homer gets killed in the ring tonight, it'll be because of your negative attitude, dare I said it. Listen to me! The instant that Homer's in any kind of danger, I want you to throw in this towel and stop the fight! Right, all right, all right, I promise, okay? <sighs> Thank you! Of course they've drawn inspiration from Don King and Mike Tyson and all that stuff, but I'm guessing that the, um, the Simpsons writers' room is populated by uh, pale nerds like myself, mm. who are probably... Their exposure to boxing is more movies than actual boxing. And, you know, they've just cherry-picked, uh, you know, the cliches and the tropes from all your boxing movies and all your boxing stories, whether it's, you know, the uh, the partner of the of the palooka going, you got to throw in the towel if he looks like he's going to die. Or, um, you know, or even just, you know, explicit stuff like The Raging Bull. But also, yeah, it feels a lot like we've lifted stuff from Rocky. Even the title of this, The Homer They Fall, there's a great Humphrey Bogart movie from the 50s called The Harder They Fall where Bogart plays this boxing promoter who... Sorry, man, go ahead. No, I just thought I I hated the title, I'll be honest. It's a weird one, isn't it? It's a bit clumsy. Yeah, but it's a... Yeah, I mean, it's a shout-out to this boxing movie. So, But yeah, you're right. It doesn't really flow as well as some other titles. I feel... I don't know what the right title would be, but I feel there's so many layups to that. It's something we do on this uh, on the show regularly. I don't think we're going to do it this this time around. No, but, this uh, time. <laughs> no, no. But we often get the uh, the uh, the listeners and the and the patrons to chime in. It's like, what's a better title for this episode? And there are often many. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, how do they fall? Is an actual boxing movie. But we get here, Michael Buffer. Uh, I would have to assume, Colt, that he is not getting paid a million bucks for this spot. I I would love if you could do some research and find that out. To be honest, yeah. like I, I don't doubt it's not close. To be honest, you reckon? Oh, I just don't well, think. I just don't maybe think just, Fox. Maybe just bragging rights. Yeah, I guess so. I just don't think <laughs> the Simpsons were going to be, or Fox were going to give the Simpsons a million dollars to get Michael Buff. They would have said, "Can't you guys just do an impersonation of the guy?" <laughs> Hank, come on. Yeah, because it's interesting because like right they they're like there's Charlie Sheen and he says nothing and it's like well we just used Charlie Sheen and paid him nothing right yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. All the celebs. We've got the feature player in the Hollywood prostitution scandal in Renia Wolfcastle. We've got um, uh, the uh, Kent Brockman, who was one of Guy's favorite characters. Absolutely loves him. This just in. Go to hell. Yes, Anthony Fat Tony D'Amico, fan man, and who cuts Krusty's hair on the way in. So just planting that seed there. Then Mo says, you know, visualize how you're going to win. <laughs> a congenital heart defect has felt Tatum moments before he can enter the ring. <laughs> then we get Tatum entering to the music he actually entered to for his comeback fight. Tyson did, yeah. That's uh, by Redman. I've forgotten the name of the um, Redman's from Wu- yeah from the Wu Tang Clan. And the the shot of him walking down the hallway, I believe, is the actual shot from his comeback mm. fight with his um with his crew behind him. And then we get Homer entering, which is it's got to be the moment of the episode, right? Don't you reckon? Him entering to <laughs> why can't we be friends? It just sort of it just epitomizes what this episode's all about. He's just he's just not going to go well for him at all. And to challenge the irresistible force of Tatum, we have the immovable object. He's been called the Brick Hit House and is also known as the Southern Dandy Homer Simpson. And basically, this is next five minutes of just Homer getting the shit pounded out of him to a point where, even as a kid, I'm watching this going, I kind of feel really 
sad for Homer here. Like, they really drill it in that this guy's getting the shit kicked out of him. You need that meme. Stop it, he's already dead. <laughs> Especially the shot where it's just, like, straight downwards yeah. on his skull. <laughs> it's slow motion. and yeah. Although, hardest part of the head, apparently. The top of the skull. I don't or hardest know. Part, I just, hardest part of the body. It might be, but you just, like, have this of, like, as a wrestler, like, who's taking too many pile drivers, I just feel everything compressing together. Oh, shit. <laughs> pile driver. Oh, my God, I'm cringing just hearing it. Colt, has, has any has any uh, movie or TV show sort of captured the, I don't know, the atmosphere and the feel of wrestling as well? I mean, there are a lot of boxing movies, but there's not so many wrestling movies. The wrestler well, the, pretty the good. The wrestler with, their, with yeah, yeah. Darren Aronofsky. yeah. The Mickey yeah. Rourke one, yeah, that's yeah. I, they did re- they did a good job of like it wasn't perfect, but they did a really good job of doing their homework. And I remember they would come to mm. some of the shows that we were on when they were doing. You know, they once came they once came to our show with Cage Nicholas Cage, who was going to play the that's right the wrestler. Yeah. Was he really? I did not know. Yeah, that. and yeah. like Dan, like the guy, like Darren asked uh, Daniel Bryan at the time, Bryan Danielson. Yeah, he, he was like, "Do you think like Nicholas Cage would be a good portrayal?" Of, and he's like, "Nah." Cage isn't small, but but Mickey's he's kind of he's kind of lean, <laughs> long and lean, yeah. and yeah, Rourke just looked like he nailed it, Mickey Rourke for sure. Yeah. Somebody stop the fight! Where's the doctor? Kill him! Kill him! It looks like it's all over. Tatum wants to finish this with one punch, and here it comes. Oh my God! Simpson's manager has flown into the ring and is airlifting him out. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever dignity remained in boxing is literally flying out the window. Are you an angel? Yes, Homer, I'm an angel. All us angels wear Farrah slacks. Well, you stop the fight. Won't everyone be mad at you? Ah, let him be mad. The only thing that matters to me is you're safe. No! I love to know how he got his hands on the fan. <laughs> Did fan man take it off, whatever? But he, he somehow got got Homer out of there, and then basically out in the car park. And yeah, Tatum was like, "You do that for me, wouldn't you, Lucius? Sure, I would. Get in the van." And then Mo goes to um to have some time to think, and that's the end of the episode. So not quite though, because we've got a little montage over the closing credits. We do, of- yeah, yeah, yeah. So as you said that, like looking back on it, I feel something that you said, and it was like. I instead this montage of him saving the world, which I think was like in my head was like a, a throwaway in the writer's room of like just them all laughing about it and then just be like, let's really do this, yeah. which I think would have been like a cutback to him f- seeing Fan Man in the bathroom and like beating the fuck out of him, maybe, and stealing his <laughs> fan. <laughs> like if that they had a cutback to it, right? Yeah, it was just like midway, <laughs> midway through the montage. Yeah. <laughs> Because I feel, I feel like nowadays, like this was done in like the early nineties or whatever, but like nowadays, like that might be a thing of like, you had that question. It's like, well, that part wasn't answered. And back then they're like, who cares? But like, maybe like, cause they know everyone would be like, what the fuck? That makes no sense that they could then mm. answer that. Like, at, you know, after the credits of a movie or let's say. I don't know. I kind of like that though. I mean, you, you've got to, you've got to leave the audience some room to, to dream to, or some okay. room to sort of fill in the blanks. I think it's. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. This is this is me getting on my soapbox. Yeah, my getting on my soapbox about. I don't need to know the backstory of everybody. I don't. Right? I, I mean, 
<laughs> All right. Well, I'll meet. I'll meet you in the ring, Colt. We're gonna. We're gonna fight for the. Uh... Let's do it as soon as I get out of jail, guy. <laughs> Javale, Javale is here. Ooh. We have got some um some questions from our listeners, Colt. Do you have some time to answer some questions from our listeners? Sure, of course. Well, this question here comes from Tommy Scorcho. He says, Colt, you're going for the tag titles, but your partner has to be a resident from Springfield. Who do you choose? See, now it's not that's not like your favorite one. No, it's most sensible because Willie's pretty jacked, and he oh, seems yeah. like he'd be ruthless. My first take, my see, this doesn't make sense, but my first thought was Nelson, but he's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> how about Flan- how about flanders flanders is pretty jacked that's a great call and he would make a great wrestling character yeah great there's great there's great um you can tell that i've done my research there's great baby face sort of personality <laughs> around him and i think i would like i would shave my i would make it so only i had a mustache we would be like the two mustaches yeah. i might change my name to colt <laughs> flanders and we'd be the flanders brothers <laughs> the flanders clan yeah <laughs> Left and, and our finisher would be like left and right or something like that. Lefty, Lucy, righty time. Yeah. Well, I was thinking we, we sell only left merchandise. The leftorium. All right. I want, I want 60% of this when it happens. <laughs> well, actually ties into this next question. Because the next question is from Ian Aslan. He says, hey, did you ever play the game Simpsons Wrestling? Because Flanders was the, um, the boss in that game. And he was literally like impossible to defeat. Oh. Wow. You know, as you say that, like as you hit the game, like I had some of the very early games, but I think they were board games. There was a lot of board games, a lot of Game Boy games and SNES games in the early 90s, yeah, like Bart versus the Space Mutants and things like that, Simpsons Pinball. But the, yeah. there was the Simpsons arcade machine, which everyone seems to remember, just the, the stand-up arcade yes. machine. So I don't, I, I don't remember Simpsons wrestling. I remember, obviously, the stand-up. And my brother, let's go back to my mm. brother, animator, loved cartoons, was also that guy who was the best video game player in your, okay. in your town. He was number <laughs> one, you know, like he beat all of the games. So it was very frustrating for us to go to an arcade as children with, you know, our parents and my mom to give him four quarters and me four quarters. I'm done in 12 (laughs) seconds and he's there an hour and a half at the Simpsons game, just dominating. Kicking the shit out of Goro in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. He's that kid when he enters the arcade, everyone just gathers around. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) He he could stretch a quarter. Do you still, you still, you're on Twitch and that. So what are some of your favorite games that you're playing these days? I'm obsessed with Fortnite recently. Okay. So yep. I play all, all children's children's games. I love Fortnite and Fall Guys, and I like those Jackbox games I play with everybody. Uh, but I don't like side. I really don't like side scrollers, and I really don't like fighting games. So like Mortal Kombat and The Simpsons, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not. A, I'm not that into them. So I was always a side scroller kind of guy. Like I was, you know, you Crash Bandicoots and your Sonics and things like that. And then for some, there was a period there in my teens where I just didn't play video games. I feel like I'm so far out of it now where i can't play i just can't catch up my mates are just too good like call of duty and things like that i just can't do it man i'm just i, I spawn and i'm dead within 10 seconds that's not fun <laughs> yeah but you know especially with the pandemic we had time yeah and now that like my wrestling schedule is not as busy i have time and like i found that like you just got to put in some hours next one scott sells has uh are there any simpsons quotes that you find yourself still using in regular normal conversations all the time god i i, I should have thought of them uh, everything's coming up millhouse mm-hmm I think that's the one. Why did I have the bowl, Bart? Uh, I love that one. <laughs> um, I, I always, whenever my wife asks me something, if the answer is yes, I'm going to do the Mr. Burns. Yes. Boo Earns is like a, cla- you know, I think everyone yeah. does that one. Yeah. Whenever I park the car, we're parked in the itchy lot. 
It's always I just said, I went to, we went to Disney and that's what I said to my person. <laughs> you can't you can't help it, can you? You have to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and you think when they wrote that line, it's not like even that great of a line, like laugh wise, but it's just so it just sticks with you, doesn't it? Whenever I park the car, it's always I always got to check and I'll sort of open the door and go, I'm in the lines. You don't like it, go tell your mom. <laughs> <laughs> then we get um a question here from Hayden Mitchell. If you could produce a match with anyone at all from Springfield, who would it be with and what would the stipulation be? Again, one of these. I don't know. If you guys can start throw, throwing some ideas, I'll, I'll yes and them, I think. Um, who? Um, so do you, want, do you want it to be a, a believable fight? <laughs> Let's see. I'm the promoter. What about uh, Santa's little helper? Who would Santa's little helper fight? <laughs> um, there was a lassie takeoff called Laddie. Oh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you can just, just do Santa's little helper versus Snowball too. Why not just go there? Cats versus dogs. It sells itself. The, the eternal conflict. What about, hold on. There was, was it Homer's brother? Herb. Uncle Herb. Uncle Herb. Uncle Herb. Yeah. We voiced by Danny DeVito. Yeah. Yes. How about Uncle Herb versus uh, Lenny Burns? Grimes. Oh, versus, who do you want? Rodney Dangerfield. Who, who do you voice? Larry Burns. Larry that Burns. Mr. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I, I had, speaking of Burns, back to this, uh, there was another thing that I did not like back to this episode was Mr. Burns was like, when they shot to him in the crowd, there were people in front of him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, he'd be ringside. Like he was in the middle of the, the crowd. Yeah, he would, he would be in his own box somewhere. That guy's ringside. He would be ringside or he would be in a box. Yeah. Is that your motto when you go to an event, Colt? I'm either ringside or I'm in a box. No, I'm a man of the people. As long as, as, long as the ticket's free, I'll, I'll sit anywhere. As long as you get the parking pass. Yeah, general. Uh, so Michael Bernstein says, where do you rank your, this is more of a wrestling one, where do you rank your seven match series with Adam Pearce in terms of favorite things you've ever done in wrestling? It's up there. It's, uh, it's definitely up there looking back. As I was doing it, I remember it was just like part of business, but uh, looking back, you know, Adam was such a special wrestler and uh you know he's he's a mainstay on wwe television he's it pretty now. cool yeah. yeah and so looking back it was very cool like ad you know adam was kind of the leader of that and he kind of orchestrated everything and so it was very cool i, I loved it. it it was up there i haven't revisited really it for a while but i remember at the end didn't you both sort of just cut a, a promo on the nwa yeah so we ended it in australia in melbourne actually really um, okay yeah this uh, the, st the steel cage match was uh, in melbourne from i think melbourne championship wrestling mcw yeah yeah and there was just so many politics that like basically what happened was like the nwa was like nothing and then this guy took over the nwa and he like i was like listen like i'm wrestling all over the world i'm going to japan next month like i'll take this belt everywhere he was like yeah but we're bigger than you and i was like it's fine but like like he's mad that i wouldn't like commit to this schedule that he didn't even have and i and mm. i was wrestling 200 days a year you know yeah. and i was like yeah i'll take the belt everywhere and i'll represent nwa and he's like no you do what i say and i was like okay yeah. and so then he was like we want we don't want the belt on you anymore we we're like all right so that was what, yeah. I what a lucia sweet punk when do you think you'll be coming to australia next for a show is anything lined up or i got nothing on the books i was you know i wasn't even in season three of uh young rock which you know, we, I was hoping to be a part of, and I was hoping that it would be in Australia so I could come back again on their dime. But, um, I, you know, so I, I know it's not Australia, but I've never been to New Zealand. I'd love to, okay. I'd love to wrestle in New Zealand. I love to come there. And so I'd love to do like an Australia, New Zealand, like one, two almost. Any New Zealand promoters out there listening, Colt's your man, <laughs> get, him, get him signed. Well, before we let you go, Colt, I do, do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been an absolute blast. But let's promote your Patreon and everything else you've got going on there. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm Cole Cabana. I'm Cole Cabana on everything: Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Twitch, um, and whatever. ColtMerch.com is where I have stuff. I have uh, three DVDs that are documentaries about life on the road as wrestlers, and they were kind of before their time. You know, that was before mm. people started vlogging. If you want to talk about you know trends mm. before the time, yeah. And though, and if you know, if you don't want me to ship to Australia, which is too expensive, if you live in Australia, I know everyone lives all over the world, but. Um, those are digital. There's digital downloads there on Colt Merch. Uh, watch me play some Fortnite and come play Fortnite with me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Cold Cabana. And then the Patreon has like the whole back catalog of all of my, you know, I, I almost 500 episodes of the Art of Wrestling ad free. And um, I, there's some other fun bits on there. And then I, we're doing this cool thing on it's called Whatnot. If you go to pwtlive.com, I don't know when this is coming out, but this Sunday. I'm doing um, like it's like a live shopping experience where you can get stuff, you know, really cheap or really rare, like from my career. But we do those every Tuesday uh, with Pro Wrestling Tees. And then I'm doing them under the Pro Wrestling Tees name, but I'm doing my own one. And, I, and I'm really enjoying doing those. So I think that's all I got. I got so much stuff, but that's all I can remember. Mm, that's good hustling. <laughs> <laughs> Well, once again, Cole, it's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I, um, yeah, you're one of my inspirations, like I said, for this podcast. This podcast probably wouldn't exist if people like you weren't out there already. So thank you so much again, and all the best for the future. And an original line that no one helped me with, smell you later. Shh.